For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Policy Biz Podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. On this week's episode of the show, I chat with Duncan Clark, one of the founders of Flourish, the online data visualization tool. I really like Flourish. I think it's a really nice tool. I've seen more of my clients using it because there's lots of good stuff in there that they can use to create decks and handouts and all sorts of other things. Now, most importantly for this week's show is the fact that the design tool Canva recently acquired Flourish. And so I was really interested to see how that merger is going to happen, how Flourish's data visualizations are going to be integrated into the Canva design tool. So I reached out to Duncan. He was kind enough to take some time out of his schedule to chat with me. So uh, today you're going to hear that interview uh, about not just about this acquisition and what it was like and what it means, but also about Flourish and how they work and how they think about new features and new visualizations and the culture at both Canva and Flourish. So I hope you'll enjoy this week's episode of the show. Here's my conversation with Duncan Clark from Flourish. Hey, Duncan. Good to see you. Good, well, morning my time, maybe evening your time. How are you? How are things? Hi, John. I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, it's um, three in the afternoon over here. It's a nice sunny afternoon in London and all is well. <laughs> well, it's a rainy, a rainy morning here in Virginia, so you are getting closer to cocktail hour than I am, so... Um, <laughs> Maybe get to sit outside a little bit. Thanks for uh, coming on the show. There's some exciting stuff going over there with Flourish. All the existing data visualization, exciting stuff that you guys have going on, but maybe even more exciting is the acquisition of Flourish by the Canva design tool. So I thought we would start talking about that and then dive into some of the um, details about about Flourish itself. So um, maybe you can talk a little bit about the acquisition, how that came about, and then... um, you know, how do you see that integration working? I'm really curious. I use both tools, so I'm curious to see how Flourish will like integrate into Canva. Sure. So, yep. So we were acquired by Canva fairly recently. We announced it just um, a couple of months ago. And um, yeah, we met Canva last year and um, I got talking to the head of product, Rob, over there. And it was one of those cases where you having a kind of informal chat and it's really clear right at the beginning that actually there's a such a sort of shared set of um, interests and values and kind of um, and enthusiasms. And uh, I mean, the broad story is kind of what Canva have been trying to do is really sort of create a product. A product. I mean, the, the mission is to empower the world to design. But broadly speaking, it's about um, empowering everyone to do good quality visual communication, whether mm-hmm. that's kind of presentations or posters or whatever else. And um, one area of visual communication that's quite specialist, um, which they had never really attempted to crack, is data visualization. And especially yeah. the, the richer kind of animated storytelling-based visualization that we've, we've always had as our kind of core activity. 
So it was kind of just a weirdly good fit because, um, you know, one of the things we'd wondered about at Flourish, you know, obviously, I mean, I guess for listeners who don't know anything about Flourish, it's a tool that makes it easy to make kind of richer interactive visualizations, including kind of animated stories. And um, we had wondered about evolving it more in the direction of a presentation tool because Mm -hmm. we, we built the V1 very much for kind of online publishing and, you know, the core use case is that you publish something and you embed it on your website. It's very widely used in journalism, for example. So we'd wondered about, you know, for every one person who publishes stuff online, there's a million people who make a presentation. And we'd wondered about moving the product more in that direction for scale. Mm-hmm. And when we um, thought in detail about, how, you know, how difficult that would be and just what a huge project it would yeah. be. Um, we kind of put it on pause. And then when we got speaking to Canva, we realized that they had this amazing drag and drop presentation tool, which is really scaling very fast. And um, But they didn't have kind of data visualization stuff. And um, so it just became, you know, really obvious that these two, you know, everything we'd built fitted with what they hadn't built, everything they'd built right. fitted with what we hadn't built. But then in addition to that, there was a huge amount of um, just collective enthusiasm about the two uh, about each other's companies. So uh, Canva is very values-driven, very um, sort of mission-driven. The founders, Mel and Cliff, recently gave almost the entire equity stake that they held to to charity. Um, You know, they're very much driven by creating magical products and trying to get as many people to get value from them as possible and do loads of good along the way. So it felt very different from you know, other conversations we'd had other the year, over the years where companies were kind of sniffing around Flourish in a kind of, you know, maybe yeah. we're interested in you, but we just didn't particularly feel very excited about them. Right. So, um, so yeah, it was all of that together. And um, so it happened really fast. We have now got to know everyone personally, and it feels like a really great fit. And so to come to the second part of your question, like what we're trying to do is, is kind of two things at once. So we're doing a sort of light touch integration which is already there. It's already available. Um, we haven't really promoted it very much yet, but you can go and install the Flourish app now on Canva and all okay. your Flourish projects, once you connect your account, will just be there on the left. So if you're making a presentation, you can drop in your stories and your visualizations and they're interactive and it all works really nicely. Um, but then in addition, we are now making new features inside Canva to support native Canva visualization stuff. And um, and so that's pretty exciting as well. The technical architecture is quite different. It's quite a big new project, but it, um, yeah, but, yeah. But it opens so up a whole new be, world of possibility. So that would be, you know, when you go into Canva and you insert an icon, for example, there'll be a new tab or whatever, a new menu where you can insert a bar chart or some sort of data data chart yeah exactly and in fact when we joined canva there was already a um you know charts team um making mm-hmm. and there's really nice basic charts already there in canva um, yeah. but what we're now adding is the next generation stuff so you know complete with um customization and um animation and interaction and all that stuff so right. yeah that will become richer and richer over time and um in the meantime you can make everything in flourish and just drop it into canva Gotcha. And so what happens, there's a question on behalf of folks who have subscriptions to either or products. So what happens to their accounts? So are they, are your Flourish accounts now being migrated to Canva? Like when I go into Canva, do I see my Flourish account? Like how is that? 
Oh no, it's, it's it's a bit more arm's length than that. So your okay. Flourish account is unchanged, your Canva okay. account is unchanged, but you can when you hit the Flourish app inside Canva, you okay. just you just link the accounts and then yeah. um and then all your Flourish stuff appears. So there's no there's okay. no change to the logins or anything like that. Okay, that's cool. I wanted to ask um you had mentioned, you know, Canva's kind of philosophy is democratizing design. Um and in some ways Flourish has a similar philosophy, right? It's it's relatively easy for anyone to sort of go in and, and make things. And I wonder, I don't really know how to phrase this question. Well, I'll phrase the question this way. I, I know some designer friends who get mad when they see people using Canva because they're like, design is not just about click and drag. You know, there's a, there's a skill to it. Um, and the same thing with data visualization, right? Like you have to understand something about data and there is a possibility of danger of people just being able to make things without knowing best practices or this and that. And so I just wonder what your thoughts are on this democratization of both of these areas, the design piece and the data viz piece. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, and the parallel that you point to is 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 definitely there. I mean, one of the many things that we realized was kind of in common between Flourish and Canva when we, we started mm -hmm. chatting about it was that it's kind of template driven. So Flourish, right. the model has always been you start with a, a working visualization um, and then you can go in and change the data and the settings and kind of make it your own. And that's kind of how Canva works. You start with a template and you, and you customize. Um, so that kind of approach has always been, has always been there in Flourish. And that has been central to how we've seen that democratization aim. Because yeah. when we were kind of chatting to people in the early days of Flourish product development, like one of the things they always said about data viz tools is you kind of put your data in and then you kind of struggle to get from there to anything that works. Yeah. And often, especially if you're going to try and make something more advanced, like, you know, a network diagram or a Sankey or whatever, mm -hmm. you almost need to kind of get your head around the input data structure. And a, a useful way to do that is to start with a working thing. So we yeah. took the decision really early on that, you know, you should always be able to click on something and see something that works mm -hmm. and then make it your own. And, um, but then I guess the, the route we've taken is to try and add really rich customization options so that even though you're starting with that and um, yeah. you can go a long way towards kind of deep customization. Yeah. And, um, you know, these days, a lot of the rich charts you'll see on things like the Financial Times are actually made with Flourish, but you wouldn't necessarily know by by looking at them. And um, I mean, I think that there is certainly a kind of school of thought that says the problem with any template-oriented approach is that you're kind of constraining the user's freedom, and yeah. um, and therefore, you know, I mean, Mike Bostock, um, who is a very brilliant person, the, the uh, founder of Observe on the creator of D3, talks about code being the ultimate sort of expressive medium. That if you mm -hmm. can, if you learn to do visualization with code, then you can express yourself in a very um, powerful way. And I think that's absolutely right. Um, but you know, there's just a yeah. That flip side, which is it's really hard. And um yeah. no, there's a big there's a big butt to that, right? I mean, I, there I, is. I yeah. I always think about like, and it's just because the space I'm in, I always think about the nonprofit organization that has like six people, and there's like one data person who's kind of like they're now the data person, and they, you know, they don't have background in coding, they're not gonna have the time to learn how to code, they have all these demands on their time. And so while I think it's a worthy goal and a worthy idea, and there's a lot to learn from coding, I just I'm not sure it's it's practically feasible in the real world. I think that's exactly right. And I think the other thing that is easy to forget is if if your if your visualizations are kind of for storytelling and, and publishing rather than for kind of you know insight, 
then yeah. uh, and that's you know very, again another thing that cuts across flourish and camera is we're very much kind of visual communication tools and um then the stuff that matters is not just the kind of nuts and bolts of how the internal code of the ch- of the, the chart itself is working. It's all the more complicated stuff, like how does the responsive embed code work? How does yeah. the um, how does the font size resize so it's still legible as you get down to a mobile screen? Yeah. How you know th- does it work if you want to connect that visualization into a scrolly telling story? Mm-hmm. So even if you can code, it becomes kind of spectacularly difficult to produce yeah. really production level visualizations. Yeah. Um, you know if you're doing everything from scratch. And so actually, I mean, this is a part of Flourish that we haven't really promoted as much as we meant to at the beginning. But we saw Flourish as being a in the early days, especially as being a kind of a thing in between the developer code writer on the one hand and the visualization creator on the other. Mm. So uh, what a lot of people don't realize about Flourish is that all the templates we put into the system, they're made with a code SDK that anyone can download. So you can you oh. can code your own template and whack it into Flourish. And, um, and so, you know, we see it as a tool that hopefully amplifies the software engineer so that rather than writing a one-off visualization with all that fine tuning I just talked about, they can make yeah. a a software tool that anyone can use that does all that stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. Really. That's really interesting. Um, I want to peel back a little bit because you talked about sort of in the early days and there are a few things about Flourish that I always found interesting. The, the biggest one being that it seemed like you and your team were able to keep up with trends in the data of this field really quickly. Like I always think about like, bar chart races like we had the little splash of bar chart races and you all were able to like drop that in pretty quickly and same thing with um the new york times did at the olympics they did it last time they did it most recently with like the little uh swim diagrams where you can sort of have the little little icon and i'm just wondering like was that like what was the philosophy there where you all just like we need to keep up with what the most current thing is like what was the what was the thing so So the background, I mean, the big picture background is that we started out, Robin and I, um, Robin being the other co-founder and the kind of technical lead on Flourish, um, we started out as a sort of specialist micro agency making bespoke projects for people like The Guardian, where where I used to work. And um, so we started out from the basis of when we make this tool, we want it to be able to do all this fancy bespoke stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you should be able to make anything as a Flourish template was the sort of founding idea. Like yeah. one of the first templates we ever made was to take a really complicated 3D globe visualization we'd made and turn that into a template. Yeah. And um, as a result of that thinking, we ended up with a highly sort of modular, highly flexible technical architecture, which mm. meant that using that SDK I just mentioned, you can... You know, just as easily as making a one-off visualization, you can make a Flourish template. Mm-hmm. So whereas in most tools, you know, like it took you know, years and years and years for Tableau to support network diagrams or whatever, because it's, yeah. if you've got a big monolithic architecture, then making any change is kind of difficult and risky. Right. But the way that Flourish works is that, you know, when the bar chart race thing started flying, John Byrne Murdoch made that nice example on Observable. Yeah. We were like, oh, cool, let's make one of those. And um, so, you know, we were able to spin that out in a couple of weeks and publish it. And then if it, you know, if that does well and people use it a lot, we can 
worry about adding extra features easily over time. Right. So it's very modular. And that's that's the key. Same with the Olympics thing. We thought oh, it would be cool to make something like that for the Olympics. Yeah. So we pushed yeah. that out. We did one the other day on um, the draw the line templates, um, oh, okay. which, you know, the New York Times um, yeah. kind of pioneered. They called them You Draw It. Yeah. And that's a really nice example, actually, of what I was trying to say before. Like, if, you, if, if you're a competent coder, it's really easy to make a not very good one in a couple of days. Like, mm. um, and then the more you use it, the more you realize that actually if the person's line, a finger moves too fast, you miss out some data points. Or, you know, if the data is too dense, it doesn't work. And so actually right. doing that as a template, even if it only takes a couple of weeks, um, is so much more effective than trying to do one from scratch, which is just a yeah. bit too hard to make it worthwhile. Right. Right. The, yeah. The, I hadn't seen the draw the line one. So I'm excited about that because I've had ideas to do something like that. And there is the added challenge of collecting people's data. You know, the times does it, or they have done it where you draw and then they collect everybody's data and then you sort of yeah. scroll down and it's like, here's a, here's all the results. And that adds a whole other layer of data collection and storage and real time, you know, pushing it back. Yeah, that's true. We, we decided not to try yeah. and bite that off for now. Yeah. So, um, like yeah, similarly, we, 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 similarly, we have a quiz template, but we don't aggregate the results and show you what other people, right. Right. um, we, it's something we might do in the future, but it'd be fun to do, I think. Yeah. The other feature of Flourish I wanted to talk about was the cards feature, um, which in, and I want to talk about both the, the feature and how it'll integrate with, with Canva because I could see how it could be really interesting. So in Flourish, uh, for those who don't know, it sort of works like either a scrolly telling or a little stepper. Um, I have a bunch of clients who really like it because it's kind of replacing their PowerPoint summary or pitch decks because they can just send a link as opposed to like trying to get you this big PDF that you know maybe you have to put up in Dropbox or something. So... Uh, I wanted to get your take on the cards feature in general, but also with respect to Canva, like I can see a lot of opportunity there to integrate that particular piece into Canva. Yeah, it's really interesting. So, so for those who haven't used it, what the cards template does is it takes an input data sheet, which would typically be, you know, maybe it's got like a name and an image and a description or something. And then it renders a, a kind of grid of, of what we call cards um, with yeah. the, with info laid out, or you can have them more like a carousel. And this very much comes back to this thing of Flourish in its early days growing out of interactive journalism. And one thing you see in interactive um, news articles sometimes is things like, you sometimes call them face walls. So like, here are all the candidates in this particular mm -hmm. primary or whatever. And it would just be 20 cards with a couple of data points on each, like, you know, net worth and kind of number of percentage of the vote or whatever and a picture right. so it's not really a data visualization but it's like a a visual expression of this simple data set um, maybe with some imagery and so because we kind of came out of that background it felt very natural for us with um, Flourish's very sort of flexible architecture to say, well, let's not limit ourselves to data visualizations let's do all the stuff that interactive news desks do yeah. so let's have a cards template for example but other examples would include things like we said oh, well let's make a photo slider so you can do a kind of before and after um mm -hmm. yeah. pair of Im images yeah. or things like that or, or the quiz that i just mentioned before so that's where it kind of came from that desire to say sometimes your data set isn't really highly sort of quantitative it's more just like a 
a, a collection of entities that you want to lay out nicely on a grid. And, and what we found is that if you're doing online publishing with data, actually, that's often a really nice thing to mix in. Like it might be that yeah. you start with a chart and then halfway down, you've got a nice grid showing all the different countries and then down, you've, further down, you've got a map or whatever. Um, but also what we wanted to do is over time support putting visualizations inside other visualizations. So again, yeah. this is something that we don't really heavily promote, but like you can make a cards visualization, which might just be a list of, you know, it might be a card per country with a little map and a couple mm -hmm. of sentences, but yeah. you could then make it where you click on one of those and that opens a panel right. and then you can embed another Flourish visualization in that panel. So you could have a kind of a dig deeper about this particular country. So right. that at the moment requires a certain amount of manual setup, but it can work really nicely. And over time, we want to make that kind of thing easier and easier. Right. And I guess in the Canva context, yeah, it's interesting because Canva, um, you know, it, that feels like it overlaps with Canva a bit more than, yeah, than other absolutely. things we do. So um, I guess like over, you know, we're, we're very much focusing on the kind of data visualization storytelling for right. now. And, and I guess we'll, we'll see where the rest of that kind of interactive content goes. Yeah, it'll be really interesting because you can imagine creating that sort of carousel with a graphic and an icon or a photograph or any of the design features in Canva and all those design tools that you can sort of arrange and align that it's not that Flourish is, is not good at it, but you know, Canva is more of like that design tool. So you can sort of really yep, build exactly. that out. Um, and so I can see a lot of advantage there of, of merging the two together because you really can create something. And again, online, which is just so much easier to share than, you know, a 300 megabyte PDF file. That's just sort of hard to do. Totally. And I think that thing of kind of, um, you know, sharing big uh, PowerPoints or PDFs of PowerPoints is definitely a kind of thing that the world is moving on from. And I yeah. mean, what you were saying before about people like being able to create a flourish story and then share that as a presentation. Yeah. Um, it was exactly that kind of feedback from users, which made us so excited about the Canva integration because what people would say to us we love this but all we want to do as well is we want to want to be able to drag a couple of bits of text there and do this and that make it like you would expect to be able to do in a drag and drop presentation editor yeah yeah and um and now you could do that you can make your flourish story with all the rich graphics you can just embed it in canva and right. um and then you can drag and drop all the stuff you want over the top you can have a title slide that kind of works exactly as you want. And then the other thing you have in Canva of course is this massive um image library. Yes. So if you're making a data-driven story about almost anything, then, um, you know, there'll always be a bunch of photos that you can just right. use. Whereas in, in Flourish, you have to upload them and use the URLs and stuff. Right, right, right. Yeah, so now you can build that little scrolly telling piece in Canva with, you know, the little grid of photographs of the candidates and then have an interactive map or whatever below that. And you can really do that kind of seamlessly with all the, all the pieces. Yeah, it's really, um, it's really interesting. So what is the process that you all go through when you're thinking about new features, additional graphs, additional charts? Like, um, no, the, you sort of said that, you know, you get feedback from users. I'm sure you have this huge queue of, of things that you want to put in. So how do you, is that a team effort to sort of, you know, prioritize or like, how do you think about, you know, making those improvements, making those changes? So we try and be very user-led and we also try to be quite data-led. So um, whenever a kind of paying customer, because we always try and give extra weight to our paying customers, uh, requirements. Probably, so good, probably good business strategy. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. And um, <laughs> whenever they uh, ask for a feature, 
Um, but also whenever a free user does as well, um, it gets logged and it gets logged mm. uh, in our sort of GitHub and stuff. And then what we have is a a Flourish live updating table because you can make those in Flourish right. um, with a little mini charts in them and stuff that show which users are asking for which features. So we mm. we have a, li a live table that we can refer to at any time that says the thing our users want the most is and... Yeah. Um, and then we kind of try and fit that with, you know, time available and um, right. other sort of, because obviously when you run a software company, there's a whole bunch of stuff you have to do in the background that's a bit less exciting than new features yeah. like database yeah, yeah. migrations and all the other stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we try and be quite user-led. There's a little bit the other way around as well, though, because we, we always... In uh, in Flourish, we've always had a, a kind of culture of having what we call Free Friday, where we encourage anyone on the engineering side to to sort of experiment and do fun stuff on mm -hmm. a Friday. Yeah. And um, and that fits really well with the modular architecture I was talking about before, because generally what people do on a Friday, they sort of fire up the SDK and they say, okay, I'm going to make a Marimekko template or whatever. Yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, I use that example because I saw a really cool demo of a Marimekko template yesterday, um, nice. which started off as a Friday project, I think, but will now kind of, it will end up flowing into the, into the, into the um, into the tool. And um so it's kind of like generally it's user-led, but sometimes it's kind of uh, team enthusiasm-led as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was always under the impression that Flourish, like a lot of the browser-based tools, you're sort of limited by what's in the options. But but now I'm learning that you can do more with it through the SDK. So can you talk a little bit more about how a user, uh, who obviously would need to know some, some coding, how a user can go in and, and customize and hack away at that a little bit more? Yeah, so it's the, the best way to understand the SDK is to see it as a way to put any kind of code into a Flourish template. So mm -hmm. what it it's not like what you might expect, which is I think what you were just getting at, where you kind of the template doesn't quite give you what you want, so you right. download it and make a few code changes. Yeah. And we don't actually share the code for our own templates out, partly because it's really complicated and um, we don't have time to sort of support other people tinkering with it. Yeah. But um, instead, you can make your own template. And that is really hyper flexible. So, you know, the simplest end, you can make a template where there's one setting, which is kind of, you know, here is my name. And then in the middle, it's a single HTML line that renders my name is, and you've mm -hmm. written John, so it renders John, and then you can publish right. that. So it can be that simple. It could just be like a way to connect, um, you know, a setting that you sort of declare in a, in a configuration file through to something that gets rendered in, in the graphic. I see. Okay. But then it gets much, much, much more complicated from there because what you can do is um, you can use pretty well whatever coding style you like mm. to create the JavaScript that then ultimately renders the template. So if you right. want to do something in WebGL using Regal, you could do that. If you want to use D3 with React or Svelte, you can do that. Um, if you want to write the JavaScript raw just straight in, you can do that. And um, and the idea is basically anything that you can render, you can turn into a Flourish template. Right. And then what Flourish gives you that makes it so useful is a really easy way to declare the settings. So like what's configurable by the user, mm -hmm. what type of setting is it, what the minimax values you allow, that kind of thing. Right. You It also gives you a way to make the data input 
really um, configurable. So you can say not only the user can replace this data, but you can say there should be two data tables. They've got these data bindings. Um, they have oh, to have an X and Y, and they can optionally have a size by whatever. Yeah. Um, and then the other kind of killer feature of it is versioning. So when you try and make kind of software, one of the hardest things is that when you change the code, then that changes what the user has done with the code. Like if the user's done a dynamic visualization, you just change the code, then their visualization changes. Right. And there's an expect, a reasonable expectation from users that if they make something, it shouldn't change. So yeah. what we do with um, with Flourish is we have semantic versioning on the template, so that if you're the, if you're the visualization creator, and you let's take that silly easy example I said before, you've just got a yeah. template that says my name is John. Right. Yep. And you want to change it so the sentence is actually my name is John and I live at, and now you've got two right. settings, but the templates yeah. change in that way. So yeah. you could change, you could just use the versioning system, say, okay, this is a new version. Ah, so okay. it replaces the old one, but the old visualization is still attached still to there. the old one. Still. So it doesn't yeah. change. Right. And um, and what's really powerful is, is all of those things together. So you can make a, very easily make a piece of software that allows anyone who you give access um, to it to create some fancy visualization, but with this version control stuff built in. Yeah. What, without giving hard numbers, because I'm sure you can't, but like what, sh how many or what share of people do you find are actually doing that in Flourish? Like, is that, is that, are oh, there, it's is a there tiny, like a, it's a oh, tiny okay. proportion, but it's generally, um, and, and which we always expected. So we, yeah. we, we built this at the beginning such that we wanted the architecture to support, we wanted it genuinely to be a platform rather than just a tool. So, yeah. We, so we made the architecture, we built it this way, and then we use the SDK ourselves. So all the mm -hmm. all the templates are made with the same tools that we give away. Yeah. And what that means is that for those users who do want to do that, like we have various newsroom users who, you know, their their newsroom developers can suddenly code all their own custom stuff, and that's super right. powerful for them. Right. Um, but we always expected that this would be a tiny minority of people for the simple reason that for you know for every one coder, there's a thousand people who want to make a visualization and. Um, right. And it's that amplifying effect that the whole platform is designed to support. Right, right. I mean, it seems like the tool was built for the common user who wants to, you know, move to the interactive world, but isn't going to be able to code it or not want to or whatever to code in JavaScript or whatever, whatever coding language. But um, I can see where if you are like the Financial Times, you know, embracing Flourish, they already have a team that can, you know, code in JavaScript. So you can sort of embrace this and, and really uh, pull it together. Um, do you foresee, I'm sure you you hope, but do you foresee uh, some of the bigger clients, the bigger organizations that are using Flourish also using Canva? Or do they already, because they're so big, they already have a design team that maybe the Canva piece isn't going to be as useful to them as it will be for the smaller smaller organizations, individuals, those sorts of folks? So we we already kind of know the answer to this because, um, you know, obviously when we were acquired, we uh, talked to all our bigger customers to let them know, reassure them that yeah. Flourish was kind of only going to get better rather than disappear or anything like that. And so many of them, when we said, you know, and the the, the new owning company is, is Canva, uh, said, oh, cool, we use Canva as well. And um, oh, okay. And because they didn't really speak to each other previously, then that was not yeah. um, something, a connection we'd really made. But actually, there's loads of overlap. Uh, for mm. all the reasons we were talking about before, it's kind of like a way to make something really good easily and quickly without having to spend a year doing training kind of stuff. Right. 
And um, so that's really encouraging. And I think what we're now starting to unlock is the combination. So, you know, so many of our users, they're using Flourish to make kind of really rich visualizations. And the next challenge is like, what's the best way to share that? Yeah, we could put it on a website, sure. But actually, generally, in a business context, if you make a rich data story, it's probably about internal data. You don't want to publish it. Yeah. I mean, Flourish already lets you publish it to the web and share a URL with a password if you're an enterprise customer. But actually, what you really want generally is to be able to drop it into a presentation and share that presentation. Yeah. And then you want all the access controls on that presentation that you'd expect from a really advanced tool, like being able to share it with two specific people and someone on your team, but not someone yeah. else or whatever. Yeah. And so now you can do that. And, and so we're really excited about um, how much opportunity that opens up to spread flourish more widely across organizations and to, and also to just take Canva from being a really great presentation tool to just being like the best way to, to sort of tell stories internally with data. Right. And, um, and we're already starting to see that, that kind of work. So that's, that combination is really exciting. Yeah, that is, that is very cool. I'm going to, uh, as soon as we hang up, I got to go to Canva and put that app in and, yeah. uh, and start importing stuff that, that looks great. Um, Duncan, thanks so much for coming on the show. This is really exciting stuff. Congratulations on, on all of it. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to see how things evolve over time and how the two sort of come together. Thanks a lot, John. Really fun being on the show. And uh, uh, yeah, see you soon. Thanks everyone for tuning into this week's episode of the show. I hope you enjoyed that. I want to remind you once again, if you'd like to learn more about data visualization and you'd like to learn more about data visualization and have lessons delivered right to your phone, check out my Winnow app. I am sending two or three text messages each and every week, data visualization strategies, big and small, so that you can improve how you communicate your data. So check out winnow.app slash policyviz. That's W-I-N-N-O dot app slash policyviz. You can check it out for free for seven days before you subscribe. It's only five bucks a month, and that money goes to helping support this show with the editing, the design, the transcription, all the things that are needed to bring the show to you each and every other week. So until next time, this has been the Policy Viz Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. A number of people help bring you the Policy Viz Podcast. Music is provided by the NRIs. Audio editing is provided by Ken Skaggs. Design and promotion is created with assistance from Sharon Satsuki Ramirez. And each episode is transcribed by Jenny Transcription Services. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Policy Viz Podcast is ad-free and supported by listeners. If you'd like to help support the show financially, please visit our PayPal page or our Patreon page at patreon.com slash policyviz.